Welcome to A Smarter You, a University of Lynchburg podcast. With the Super Bowl right around the corner, today we'll be discussing football from a different point of view. I'm Justin Cummings, and today I'm joined by Professor of Physics, Dr. Eric Goff. Hey, Justin, how are you? And Professor of Athletic Training, Dr. Tom Bowman. Hey, Justin, thanks for having me. Thank you guys for being here today. So the Super Bowl has officially been set with the Rams and the Patriots. So before we get into that, before we get into the Super Bowl itself, how has your research crossed paths with football and what led you to look at that specifically? So uh, this is Eric here and I, I have done a lot of research with soccer balls. So what the rest of the world calls football. And I've always examined the uh, World Cup footballs for the last dozen or so years. And the interest with football came about two and a half years ago when Star Talk launched Playing With Science. And I've been on that show ever since the very beginning. And we've done all kinds of different sports from skating to baseball to Tour de France, soccer, and we've even done golf and football. And then two years ago, partnering with Playing With Science, Tune In and the NFL had me start appearing regularly on Sundays to do play analysis. So for the past two seasons, I've been analyzing a play from the NFL, uh, the, it, pulling out the physics and doing some calculations, uh, trying to elucidate what's going on on the field and some of the more fascinating plays from the NFL in the past two seasons. Awesome. Tom, what about you? So the majority of my work is focused on the sport of men's lacrosse um, because we don't sponsor football here at, at the university. Um, but w- when we do work in lacrosse, we uh, always find ourselves comparing to football because um, although lacrosse is the fastest growing sport in the world, football is, is, you know, is king in America and that is probably the most popular sport. So, you know, I've done some work on um, head impact biomechanics, looking at what, what do head impacts look and feel like when, when our, our lacrosse and soccer players are on the field, and we've compared those to some of the findings in football. And I've also looked at protective equipment and looking at uh, what makes a helmet good um, and comparing football to lacrosse to hockey helmets and, and, that, and that sort of thing. Awesome. We're going to get back to helmets a little bit later. Let's start with more of the physics side. So, Eric, why why look at football physics? It's something you've been, as you said, asked to do by the NFL every Sunday for two seasons now. Why does it actually matter, the physics of a play? Well, my interest has always been getting a little bit of science on the sports pages. I always like to try to get somebody who's not maybe not interested in science that often who checks out the sports to maybe get a a different look at it. So the eyes of a physicist looking at a a football game, Uh, the laws of physics uh, are obeyed by all of us. Uh, There's no exception on a football field, even though some of the feats look rather spectacular. So I think what surprises some of the people who uh, hear the work that we uh, are putting out each week for the season is just how large some of the forces are and uh, some of the torques and collision times and all these kinds of things that people don't really think about. And, you know, when you tell someone that a football is spinning at 600 RPMs, that's a, a little bit of a shock to them. <laughs> so you said you do talk about a different play every week. You're looking at a lot of these. So from this season in particular, what's one play that you found kind of the most interesting or exciting that you were like, I can't wait to talk about this? Well, one of the New England Patriots uh, games where they were playing the Chicago Bears and they beat them uh, 38-31 in October. Uh, I really loved a play where the Bears had third and six on the Patriots' eight-yard line. So they're really close to scoring. And uh, the Bears quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, who's a really fun fun guy to watch, uh, he gets in the shotgun and as soon as the ball snapped to him, 
he ends up holding the ball for about 12 seconds and he runs a total of what I calculated to be 72 yards on the play before he scored. So that little eight yards from the uh, end zone turned out to be a 72 yard scramble to get into the end zone and score a touchdown. So going through all of that and calculating step counts and speeds and all that to really analyze that play was a lot of fun. Um, uh, maybe a little bit sadder play was when the Bears lost in the uh, NFC wildcard playoff game to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. The uh, very end of the game, you had Cody Parkey, who was the, the kicker, comes in for a 43-yard field goal. And it, it, upon closer review, there was a very slight fingertip touch on the ball that didn't alter the trajectory very much, but it hits the left upright. And I thought an interesting thing to look at was uh, if the ball's traveling to the north, uh, I wanted to see how much the rotation of the earth was going to influence that trajectory. And it turns out the uh, trajectory was actually given a little bit of a bump to the right by about a tenth of an inch, but that wasn't nearly enough to help the, uh, the ball go through the upright. So even the earth turning didn't help that field goal try. So, so even like a, a fingertip on the ball can really change something. Oh, sure. Uh, in that particular case, the deviation was very, very tiny, but sometimes that's all it takes in a game of inches. That's that's insane to me that just a single, you know, we look at football and we see it often from the bigger perspective of a hundred yard field. The people we see it from more of a top down view look like ants kind of far away and just kind of the close aspect of the game as opposed to the big, you know, it's a game played on a hundred yards, but a single inch can really change the entire game. So with the Super Bowl right around the corner, who do you think, which quarterback do you think is better prepared for this based on based on your perspective? So I don't know that anyone's ever asked me an easier question in my life. Um, I'm looking at one quarterback who's 24 years old at the end of his third season, and I'm looking at another 41-year-old quarterback who's played in the NFL for about 17 years, and half of his seasons have ended in a Super Bowl appearance. So uh, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Tom Brady on that one. Yeah, I, I feel like had I asked you this question with any other pairing of teams, the answer would have, you had to think a little harder, but Tom Brady is just one of those names that everyone knows. And for good reason. I mean, I personally am not a huge football person, Tom, you don't seem to uh, watch quite as much as Eric has been this past season. Well, I watch a lot of football. Okay. How would you break it down then from your perspective? Who do you think has the better shot? Um, you know, I, I actually was pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, Weren't we all? Uh, yeah, I'm pulling for the Rams. Uh, I think they're an interesting story. Uh, great young head coach. So we'll see what happens. All right. So w- one more one more physics-based question, and then we're kind of going to move to the more safety side of the game. So what is the physics behind a tackle in the NFL? And what's a comparable impact kind of for someone who's never been tackled on a football field? What would that feel like? So the, the, the beauty of applying the laws of physics is we can apply them to the uh, atomic world, we can apply them to galaxies, and we can apply them to football collisions, and the uh, same laws apply. So we use things like momentum conservation and Newton's laws to, uh, to study what happens on a football field. And the types of collisions, you're talking about players who are well over 200 pounds, sometimes up to over 300 pounds, and they've got you know 20 pounds or so of padding and, and a helmet on to add to that weight. And then when they come into collision, you're talking about you know a quarter of ton of, of mass coming together. And the 
collision force itself averages something comparable to that in the in the time scales of the collision but the 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 average force doesn't tell you how large the maximum force is the the for a very very tiny instant of time the uh, maximum force can get well over a thousand pounds you know close to 1500 pounds and that is plenty large enough to uh you know cause possible concussions if the the trajectory is just right so the the forces here are comparable um to uh let me give another example from basketball we've all seen zion williamson play for duke this year and the wall street journal had me do a calculation for what happens when you take a charge from zion williamson and it's like getting hit by a jeep at 10 miles an hour and you got to extrapolate that up to players moving a little faster with padding with helmets uh, a little heavier and uh instead of some guys standing there trying to take a charge they're you got two players running at each other so you know we're not only talking about a jeep going 10 miles an hour but you got to put a family and the dog and some equipment in the jeep as well i mean it's 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 not it's not a uh, for the faint of heart. You got to be in good shape and have uh, good good habits and good training on the field to try to avoid injury. We're not used to in kind of our day to day life talking about you know tons of mass. We're used to oh pounds, you know ounces. We're not used to tons coming at you. So it it sounds like it's a lot more than people think about. Like it's a lot more than you would expect it to be. Well, we actually deal with forces like that all the time. We just don't realize it. The, I mean, you try to think about how much force it would take to, you know, break a table or whatever. Um, if you're ever swinging a bat hitting a baseball, the force on the ball and the bat instantaneously gets up to the size of a ton. Um, but you're talking about of a very solid wood object and a ball that can compress a little bit, but try to imagine compressing that ball or that bat with your fingers. I mean, you're just not going to be able to do it. So you might be able to push with a hundred pounds if you're pretty strong with a thumb, but now you need to add another zero to that. If you're going to talk about it actually hitting with a bat. So you mentioned concussions a little bit and that this force can definitely cause a concussion. So let's, let's move in that direction. Tom, first off, what, is a concussion specifically and how have you been studying them yeah so if you look at the consensus statement on concussion in sport uh the the you know the textbook definition so to speak is a traumatic brain injury induced by biomechanical forces so what does that really mean um you know concussions can be caused by an impact not only to the head but to the face the neck or another spot on the uh, area on the body that causes the head to accelerate rapidly um, and when someone is concussed, uh, they, they have a rapid onset of transient symptoms, meaning that they, they last a short period of time. They spontaneously resolve and the patient gets, gets better, uh, usually within, within seven to 10 days. But there is, you know, about a 10% of the population that's concussed. Uh, their symptoms last longer than 10 days. So there are, you know, uh, th- that is a possibility. So when what actually is happening to my body during a concussion, right? So, so Eric charges me, tackles me to the ground. I get a concussion. What's actually happening inside my body at that moment? Yeah, so this injury is at the cellular level, so it's it's more of a functional disturbance rather than a structural injury. So if we, you know, if we do a CT scan or or an MRI, but for the most part, those are going to come back and look normal. Um, so structurally, the brain looks the way it should. Uh, the only way we see this is if we do more complicated imaging, like functional MRI, where we do an MRI where we have the person doing some type of cognitive task, and then we can see the fact that their brain's working a little bit differently. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a 
So functional disturbance, it's at the cellular level. Um, we think that it is neuronal stretching. Uh, so neurons are brain cells and uh, they get stretched and, and the neuron's job is to move um, uh, information from one cell to the next. And when, get, when they get stretched and they their, their myelination becomes disrupted, then the signal doesn't transfer quite as well as, uh, as it would normally. That's one thought. There's also a couple of thing, uh, thoughts about um, uh, the, the capillary disruption in the brain uh, being a part of it as well. All right. That sounds very unpleasant, actually. Like that does not sound like something you want to have happen to you. Uh, yeah, you know, so a, a lot of a lot of people when they when they have concussions, uh, they have a, a host of, of symptoms. Uh, they can range from cognitive base, so having trouble thinking, paying attention in class, things like that, to um, symptoms. They have a headache. Um, they're they're sensitive to light or noise, or they feel nauseous. Uh, some patients will have balance disturbances. They'll have trouble standing on one foot. They'll feel uneasy, and then uh, some other folks will have ocular motor issues where they have trouble um, with saccades or moving their eyes quickly from one direction to the other uh, or near point of convergence where both of your eyes kind of look towards the center. So I've heard probably more about concussions in the last four or five years than I have in the rest of my life. And it seems like more and more people are knowing what concussions are and concerned about concussions. And obviously in a game like football where concussions can definitely happen, what what is actually a helmet doing? What is the NFL helmet doing as far as preventing or lessening a concussion? So if you look back at why helmets were introduced into the game uh, and, and how they are certified now, um, the, the the key is helmets are, their purpose is to prevent skull fracture, subdural hematoma, and more life-threatening injuries. The purpose of a helmet is not to stop concussion yet. And if you think back to our conversation on how uh, concussions occur, you can get a concussion by taking a blow to the chest if your head accelerates fast enough. So there is no helmet that will ever prevent all concussions because because you don't have to be hit in the head to, to, to suffer from a concussion. Um, but if you think about what, what helmets are, are for, the, the subdural hematomas and, and skull fractures, those are very rare in helmeted sports. We just don't see those injuries. So helmets actually do a pretty good job of what they're intended to do. Uh, I think right now there's a bigger push for helmets to work better for concussion. Uh, and there is a lot of work being done in that area now uh, to help move that process along. So what, what work specifically is, is being done that what is, because the NFL has come under a lot of fire specifically the last few years. Are they aware of this? What are they kind of doing to, uh, to push safety and to kind of protect their players as much as possible? So from a helmet standpoint, um, interestingly, the, the, the NFL does contract an outside um, um, a group of researchers to study their helmets. And in all NFL locker rooms, there is a poster that rates every helmet on the market. And they, they, it is rank ordered. So number one is the best, number two is the second best, and on down the list. And interestingly, um, you know, uh, Players are allowed to choose whatever equipment they want. The Players Association does not mandate one particular style or brand or that, that sort of thing. Um, but I think we're getting closer to the NFL banning certain helmets based on how they score. Um, I think that the scoring is, is probably a good thing in the sense that it's forced manufacturers to make better helmets. Um, I do have some, you know, some questions about are we just making helmets that 
test better or are we making helmets that are better for you know preventing injury and and you know there there may or may not be a disconnect there uh in most of the work that's being done now they're they're doing uh reconstructions of the concussions that happen on field to better study uh the mechanisms and the accelerations that the brain is receiving so that they can they can make helmets to better withstand the actual causes on the field. Some other things the NFL is doing, you know, they, they, they've changed rules quite a bit, you know, even over the last, you know, four or five years, uh, the kickoff is substantially different, right? Um, uh, off the cuff, I'm not sure what percentage are touchbacks, but it's a lot higher than it was four or five years ago. So, you know, they took a look and said, you know, the kickoff is one area where a lot of injuries happen. And so they moved the, uh, the, the spot where the kicker kicks the ball up. And now if you notice um, uh, play who on kick coverage they have to be within one yard of the line of scrimmage they can't get a running start uh, into the, the the kick and so they've made that change and then the targeting rule um, and you know we probably see this a little bit more in, in in the college game than we do in the professional game but certainly it's in both um, you know in, in the college game if a player makes forcible contact to the head or neck area of, uh, of an opposing player he's disqualified from that game uh, and you know it, it's it's a tough rule, and I understand people who don't like it from a sense of, you know, it's a very fast-paced sport, and making split-second de- split decisions is really, really hard on defensive players, but the reality is, you know, the player safety should be the number one priority. Absolutely. So this question goes to both of you. So based on your own research and kind of your fields of study, what do you think is going to be different about football in, say, five years? You've already talked about how in the last five years it's changed. What do you think is going to happen in the next five? Let's start with uh, Tom this time. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't talk much about my about some of the work that we're doing here. Um, so we are involved in a clinical trial at the, at the moment studying um, recovery from concussion. And uh, the study is called Active Rehab. It's it's a, it's a joint effort. Uh, the, the principal investigators are at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and the Medical College of Wisconsin out in Madison. And essentially what we are doing is looking at concussed patients. And currently uh, the, the, the recovery trajectory is rest until they feel better. And then once they feel better, we slowly start uh, introducing activity back into uh, their day. And what we're doing with this particular study is we're treating the patient individually before they become symptom-free. So, for example, if somebody has a headache, you know, maybe we'll do some massage to help ease their headaches, or if they're having balance disturbances, we'll do some balance drills to help improve their balance while they're still recovering before they return back to play. And so, you know, I think that this is promising. Uh, we don't know which one is better, straight rest or or some type of active rehabilitation. We hope to have uh, some better answers here in the next couple years. Uh, this is the first randomized control trial done on this, but there is some anecdotal evidence um, uh, to suggest that, 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 you know, people are going to recover faster. So I think that's one thing. Um, you know, uh, another thing that, that is interesting when you think about football and how it might look in five years, I think the helmets will definitely change. Uh, Vices is a company out of Seattle that makes kind of a, uh, a much different helmet compared to the other ones on the market. The shell is much more um, uh, flexible, I guess is maybe the right word to use, pliable. Um, and they have uh, their, their, their market is gaining in size. They just released a, a youth helmet. And I think they're interested in, in, in getting into the uh, into the market with some other sports as well. That's really, really cool. Let's go ahead. Eric, uh, going back to the physics a bit, NFL, like you said, has had you working on this. So the NFL is at least aware that physics do impact the game. Kind of how do you think that's going to affect the NFL in the next few years? 
Well, and and Tom was just spot on with his, you know, discussion of the concussions and what you want to think about in a really gross, simplified way is, you know, that the brain's sitting in this fluid and, you know, we walk around and we kind of start and stop and that fluid's going to provide a little cushion. The G-forces that have been measured in some studies show that some of these football collisions, these helmet-to-helmet collisions, can get up to over 100 Gs. And you compare that to a car crash where studies show about 30 Gs and the fighter pilots are a little less than 10 Gs, although they they experience that a lot longer. But these are really large accelerations. And, you know, I I looked at the collision in the NFC uh, title game where Josh Hill sustained a concussion with a hit from Corey Littleton. And this was in the first quarter toward the the latter part of the quarter where uh, he took a blow from the side but he was you know was right on the helmet um and you know not not trying to provide a whole lot of causation but just to give you some of the numbers here i mean you're 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 talking about 500 pounds of players coming at each other you're talking about uh g-forces that very instantaneously could reach 100 g's and what the helmets really uh, got inside of it and it helps with what's called linear acceleration, the padding. Uh, If you jump off of a a chair, you're not going to land on the floor with your knees straight. You know, your knees unbent, your legs straight. You're going to bend your knees. Your uh, airbag in your car is doing something similar, the bumpers on your car. What it's doing is it extends the collision time. And when you extend the collision time, the force goes down. And when the force goes down, the acceleration goes down. So that the padding with a direct impact can help extend the collision time and reduce the acceleration. What the helmet's not really good at and what the NFL is trying to, you know, get some more studies to help with is the rotational acceleration. Because you can have all the padding you want on a helmet and, you know, like like Tom had said about getting hit in the chest, I mean, if my if my head just rocks really hard to the side, even if I've got a helmet on with a lot of padding, that rotational acceleration can still be large. My brain can still, you know, impact against my skull uh, quite, you know, quite with quite a lot of acceleration. So uh, it's really hard to tackle the problem of rotational acceleration. And, and, you know, as far as the future, I think the NFL is going to try to work on that problem. But if you start looking down at lower ranks, a lot of schools, high schools and stuff are giving up football. And it's not just the safety reasons, it's the cost because the insurance costs on the uh, players that they have are skyrocketing because of these concussions. So a lot of them are actually finding it too expensive, not even just from the equipment point of view, but from the the insurance premiums are getting really high that high schools are dropping football for that reason. That's really interesting. So it definitely seems like football is going to be in a different place in five years. Well, thank you guys both for joining me today. It's been a pleasure having you. And I think we will see you all next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed our first episode of A Smarter You. We want to know what you think of this episode and get your recommendations for future topics to cover. Send us your feedback by emailing ucm at lynchburg.edu with the subject line podcast. For more information, visit www.lynchburg.edu forward slash podcast.